Cuphead and all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hi, folks. Old Man Grognard here. Happy Saturday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm doing well. And I had some good feedback on some of my previous shows. In fact, I have an email here, not an email, but a voicemail from Frank Turfler. And he wanted to talk about the clerics show that I did. So go ahead, Frank. Hey, Glenn. Frank from Frank T's Liner Notes. I really enjoyed the clerics episode. It really shed some new light on clerics. I've always struggled with the idea of clerics in general. Um, I didn't know exactly how to play them. And I really liked the three areas that you focused on. I especially liked the Van Helsing idea, the specialist. I would like to ask, uh, where did you get your ideas? Were they all from the same source? Or did, you, did they all come from the uh, Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea? If not, let me know. I'm curious. I'd like to do some more research on that. Thank you very much, Frank. Well, how I got my ideas. I'm, first of all, I'm glad you enjoyed the show. And these were these were really interesting for me. I really had to kind of push myself on this because yeah, I was trying to avoid the cliche-type classes, even though you could do that. And I kept thinking, you know, there's there's all kinds of people in the world, and there's all they do different things. There's no... You know, you got to start thinking about personalities more than what the class can do. It's like asking a professional, why did you get into a profession? What was your motivation? You find the motivation, you find personality. In personality, you can probably find different ways to do the classes. I'm also pretty much, I know second edition a lot. I do Thaco's Hammer, which is a second edition show. I spent quite a lot of my time in my early days playing second edition. And so I'm kind of familiar with things like the splat books with the kits and the prestige classes. In fact, I'm thinking that that's probably why the splat books came up in the first place. We wanted people to start thinking out of the box, thinking out of the box about what this class can do. And if they give you some, you know, they give you kits with buffs and disads on it. So it's like a package deal. Remember I was talking about package deals in a previous show. This is a, another version of a package deal and it kind of rewards the player for thinking differently about the class. So that's pretty much why I came up with the version of the shows that I did. And it wasn't, and, and, Yes, part of it was Astonishing Swordsman, because Astonishing Swordsman has four basic classes. The four basic classes they usually have, you know, Fighter, Cleric, Magic, User, Thief. But then they do at least two to three subclasses for each class. So you've got like 26 classes to pick from. And a lot of them are very, I'm not going to say niche, but they're very, they're very they're, they're very specialized. Like you have in the magic, because you have a pyromancer and a cryomancer and a necromancer. A necromancer is a playable class in that game. The purloiner, I, the funny thing is, I had the book. I've had the book for quite a while. I've had first edition, I got the second edition book. And when I started 
And we started making her characters. Carlos, one of my players, says, I want to play a purloiner. I says, oh, what is that? Because like a dummy, I'm running the game, but I never really looked at those. So it, it, it was interesting that he said, okay, well, it's this way. And I was like, wow, that's a great variation on a cleric and a thief because it kind of combines the two. Also, think, you know, you think about multi-class. You wonder what kind of character would multi-class and why they would do it. Or they're just coming up with a certain way of thinking of how to deal with... Maybe there is a, maybe there is a lineage of these kind of characters who have this kind of multi-class. And they're just following the footsteps. Or they're basically feeling like they see a need and fill it type thing. So multi-classing can help you in that regard too. But I was taking it on the assumption that you were playing some version of like basic D&D where you have races class, uh, which really doesn't, doesn't fit to what I was just saying because I was also thinking of first edition. First edition with the subclasses, they started to go in that direction. But it's all to me, it's all a part of getting the players to think outside the box for their, for their characters. Because the more they do that, the richer the characters become. And the more ways they can find their character, find a ways their characters to be versatile. And versatility, to me, is the key to the game right there if you're a player. The more you think, the more you think outside the box, the better it is, and it enriches the game. And all it enriches your the character you're playing, but it enriches the game itself. Everybody wins on that. So thank you, Frank. I appreciate that for sending it in. Okay, today is kind of a a mishmash because I started thinking about accessorizing character. I'm talking equipment, not only talking equipment, mostly equipment. I'm not going to get into the magic stuff. You know, making new spells and doing things like that and stuff like that. I'm talking about equipment. And I don't want to get into the magic items aside from maybe the weapons. Because I, I'm i just going to... Uh, that's kind of going to be the back... Not the background, but kind of a, a little side thing in the background. What I'm talking about is... How do you accessorize your character? I mean, yes, there's familiars. There's staffs. There's special weapons. You ever think about asking the GM for a special weapon, which means you figure it out, you research it, and present it to the game master. And maybe it'll be a little special. Like if you think about something like, oh, I have this dagger that just shoots into my hand. <laughs> Taxi driver. A dagger that shoots in my hand from my sleeve. So if you're using weapon speed, it knocks down the weapon's you know, it, it takes less time to do that if you use that god-awful system. But if not, maybe he can give you, like, maybe an extra, you know, a little extra pluses on the damage because you can go, boom, right into the guy type of thing. Or a, a sword. I've seen these. I've done this before. I did a sword that was hinged in the middle. Yeah, it had a little thing to keep it straight if you want, but you can unhinge it, and it starts to spin. You can spin it and just... I'm not saying I'm. I'm not thinking of uh, chainsaws or anything, but it just spins like the spinning blade of death on the end, and you just go right into the guy if you keep it spinning. Or it could be magical. It could be magical spinning. You just unhook it, let it let it sit there, have a, a trigger word or something where it just starts spinning. 
that that's kind of the far-fetched. But do you ever think about non-magical weapons with magical stuff? What I'm saying is a sword to be plus one does not have to be magical. It could be the finest, sharpest blade in the land. And as consequence, it gives you a plus to damage. Or it could be also the sword is also the best balanced sword in the land. So it can give you a plus one to hit. Things like that. And there's also solutions of things like creatures can only be hit by magical weapons. There are other things there, too, that you can do. Have you ever thought of taking all the, you know, the party treasures? Have the party ever thought of things like taking all the silver in their treasure and melting it down and coating their weapons for things that can only be hit with silver? Or maybe go out and buy some lead junk and melt it down. Or not lead, but... Cold, well, cold iron. You know, if you find scrap metal, you melt it down and coat, say, oh, the end of a the end of a staff, and you got this knob of lead, and then you put it the other end of the knob of silver, and you're covered. Those things are not magical themselves, but they can hit magical creatures. You think of putting them on other things. Say you have silver caltrops. Oh, that'll give werewolves a lot of trouble. Throw them on the ground as you leave. Oh, my goodness. Let's see. What else? A vial of acid. A vial of acid you can strap onto a, to an arrow. Put it in your crossbow, your bow. That's going to make some troll's day not so good. And, of course, there's always flaming arrows and things like that, too. They're not going to like that. You always do the flaming arrow bit. If you can't get a fireball... Figure out some way to do flaming arrows. Even if you have to dip your damn arrow in a jug of oil or something, light it and shoot it. I'm sure there's better ways to do that because you wrap stuff around. I mean, you could prep it beforehand, but in the emergency, dip the arrow in there and shoot it. And the trolls are not going to be happy. So... You start thinking, That's once again, it's thinking out of the box. That's what I'm all about, it's thinking out of the box, because I see it happen so many times at my game table. These guys, I'll throw something at them, and they come up with something I had. It didn't even occur to me they could do. And I give them a decent chance to have it done, because it makes better story. This is why I'm not afraid if the characters go off book or... You know, I'm not going to rail. That's why I don't like railroads, because the stuff they come up with to me is more interesting. A lot of times, I have some entertainment. Okay, I'm not saying that it makes it sound like that I'm a, I'm a dungeon master who has no ideas that are not very original. Not true. I've come up with some interesting stuff, but it's almost a give and take. For every cool stuff thing that I come up with, they come up with two cool things. So thinking out of the box and thinking about your accessories and how you can manage things that it's not really loopholes because if you run into a monster where the book says can only hit my magical weapons there's a way around that somehow you just gotta think about it even if it yeah even, you just gotta think about it so go ahead and try those it's accessories and thinking out of the box there you go so, I'm going to go start my day. 
And if you want to talk to me about this or argue with me or talk to me about anything, drop me a line at oldmangrognar at gmail.com or you can give me a voicemail over at Anchor. Send me a voicemail. We're monetized, so as little as 99 cents a month, you can support this program, and I would thank you. And once again, once again, thank you, Jonathan and Oliver, for being my supporters. I really appreciate that. So... Until I see you next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Mm-hmm.